morning, everybody. Thank you so much for being a part of this service. Christmas is just a few weeks away. Yay, God, for that. Doesn't make you excited? It does me. I love Christmas. I know you love Christmas. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Even during Christmas and during the New Year's celebration, be careful, be healthy, and be diligent. Whatever you do, I know it may change a little bit of how we celebrate Christmas and New Year's, but it's just one year, and I want to encourage you to stay protected for you and your family and others. It is amazing in the Bible how many people that were just ordinary, everyday people that God used in an extraordinary way. For example, King David. And I know that none of us would think of King David as an ordinary person, but he was as a teenager. He, he was a shepherd. He, he, he was not known by anybody. In that moment, as a teenager, and he encountered Goliath, he, he put away his fear, and he trusted God instead, and God turned him from an ordinary person into an extraordinary person that he used in an extraordinary way. And all of the rest of his history demonstrates it. And the same is true for Moses. Moses was 80 years old, 80 years old, when he experienced the burning bush. He was a sheep herder. He had been a refugee and an outcast from Egypt. And he must have thought, I'm 80 years old. I have seen my best days. Most my best days have come and gone. But then he encountered God in the burning bush. And God said to him, your best days are not behind you. They are in front of you. And for the next 40 years, God, 40 years, God used Moses who became one of the greatest leaders of all time. We're still talking about him 3,500 years later. God took an ordinary guy and he turned him into an extraordinary person. He used them in an extraordinary way. I think of Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was just a teenager when she encountered the angel, just a teenager. And she lived in the backside of nowhere, in Nazareth. I mean, Nazareth was so tiny, there might have been 100 people that lived there. Probably there were not. And nobody knew who she was. Nobody knew her name. She was from the backside of nowhere. And yet, God used her in an extraordinary way. I use this example of Mary because today I want to talk to you about the life of Mary. But before I talk to you about what is true about her, I want to deal with what is not true. I want to deal with some misconceptions that exist about Mary today. For instance, there is nowhere in the Bible where it says that Mary was sinless. 
Mary was a human being, and she was a, a sinner just like we are. We, we, we're all sinners. All of us are sinners that fall short of the glory of God. All of us need a Savior, and Mary needed a Savior too. There's no place in the Bible that says anything to the contrary. And in fact, there is no place in the Bible where it tells us that we are to pray to Mary. Pray to Mary? And some people even worship her sort of like a goddess. But you don't find that anywhere in the Bible. In fact, in first century, that would have been considered nothing but sheer heresy. And Mary would have been the first one to stand up and say, no, you are not to do this. There is no place in the Bible where it says that Mary is a mediator for us with God. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it says there is one God and one mediator between God and us, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus became our mediator. The, the word mediator in a practical way means bridge. He is the bridge between us and God. So much is he that the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 that we can now come boldly to the very throne of God. You have direct access to the throne of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. You don't need a priest. You don't need Mary. You don't need so-called saints because you and I have direct access to the very throne of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. These are true things. So where do these false ideas emerge? Hundreds, hundreds of years after Jesus. And there were notions that emerged and they began to be adopted and believed, but the Bible never teaches one of those three things. Now with that in mind, what is true about Mary? She was a special person. She was a wonderful woman. Here she is as the mother of the Messiah. Did you know that all the Jewish people for hundreds of years, all the Jewish women had prayed, oh God, could it be true that I could be the mother of the Messiah, that I could bring the Messiah into the world? But of all those hundreds of years and those thousands, ten thousands, hundreds of thousands of women, God picked Mary, this young teenage girl who had such a godly heart, a heart for God. This morning, I want to talk to you about Mary. Christmas is coming. All of us have nativity sets. And in our nativity sets, there are all kinds of characters. But the four most important ones I want to talk to you about over these next few weeks. All of them were important, but I want to talk to you about the four most important. Mary, Joseph, the angel, and of course, Jesus. In a series, simple series, that is just entitled, The Nativity. And I want to talk to you first about Mary. God was able to do great things in and through Mary's life because Mary chose to trust God in spite of her fear. Fear is a powerful enemy, and we are certainly seeing that today. This year of all years, we have felt the power of fear. But the truth is, learning to let go of our fear, learning how to trust God, is the open door. It's what opens us, our life up, 
for God to use us in a great and powerful way. How God moves us from being just an ordinary person to an extraordinary life comes through learning to trust God and push away our fear just like it happened to Mary. So let's look at the story of Mary found in Luke chapter one, beginning in verse 26 and listen to what it says. And in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was troubled at the words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God and you will be with child. And that phrase means immediately. You will be with child. It's not talking about down the road five years from now. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. And it will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Our lives, all of our lives are... Give, have opportunities, so many opportunities to be afraid. All of us experience that. And so did Mary. And notice those two verses in Luke chapter 1, verse 29 and 30. And Mary was greatly troubled at the angel's words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. I understand why Mary was afraid. You don't encounter angels just every day. And suddenly there is this angel, like in the flesh, so-called right in front of her and talking to her. No wonder she was afraid. But I think she was far more afraid of what the angel said than just the appearance of the angel. The angel said, you will be the mother of the Messiah who will be the son of God, the savior of the world. And by the way, it's going to happen immediately. Well, Mary didn't understand. How in the world could this happen? She said back to the angel, seeing that I'm a virgin, how in the world could I have a child? And the angel said, the spirit of God will hover over you. And that which is conceived in you will be the son of God the savior of the world. I think about Mary. I think about all that she was thinking and going through. And no wonder, as she was processing all this information, she was so afraid. First of all, there was this whole fear of of, of rejection. She's a virgin. She'd stayed true to God. She had stayed stayed, uh, pure before God. And now she's having a baby. How is this going to be? And how do I explain this? And what do I tell my fiance, Joseph? And will he believe me? Of course he won't. And how do, how are my parents going to react to this? How is everyone going to react to this? There was this whole sense of fear in her heart of being rejected by everybody. And then the fear of inadequacy. Look, it is hard being a parent. I think it's got to be the hardest job in the world. I don't think there is, I don't think the job of being the president of the United States 
gets close to being a parent. Being a parent is one of the hardest jobs, is the hardest job that anybody could ever have. And I know that all of the kids at Sugar Creek, I know this, are perfect. I know they are wonderful, they are sweet, they are absolutely perfect on every campus, I know this. But it's still tough to be a mother, still tough to be a father. And I'm gonna tell you, kids, every so often, how about just going up to your parents and hugging them and saying, I know I'm perfect, I know I'm sweet, I'm wonderful. It must, but I know it's hard to be a mom. I know it's hard to be a dad. And thank you for all the things you do for me and thank you for all the things I know nothing about. The worries, the struggles, the fret that you go through, the hard decisions that you do for me. And you know what your parents are going to say? They, oh, you, you are so sweet and wonderful. You're just nothing. It's not hard at all to raise you. But it actually is. But what if, what if you're going to be the mother of the Son of God, the Savior of the world? Am I up for this? Can I do this? Can I pull this off? What if I mess up? The fear of inadequacy. And the fear of the future, the, the fear of change. Everything in Mary's life changed immediately. It was never, ever, ever, ever the same again. Just the fear of what was coming and what she would experience. No wonder she was so afraid. And it was all in her eyes. And the angel, as he saw that, said to her, Mary, you don't have to be afraid. Mary, push the fear away. So I'm asking you, what are you afraid of? What are you going through? What pain and hurt and struggle and fear of the unknown and fear of the future and fear of the present are you going through the truth is if we don't push it away it will paralyze us it will immobilize us now we've got to do what mary did mary's strength was that she didn't allow her fears to control her we've got to be willing to rise above just like mary rose above her fears. We gotta be willing to rise above us and our fears. And some of you, I know what you're thinking. You are thinking, Mark Hartman, who do you think you are? Telling me that I am supposed to rise above my fears? Do you even understand my fears? Do you understand what I'm going through? Do you understand that I've lost my job in this environment in which it seems it's impossible to get another job? Do you understand what I'm going through? And maybe you are watching online and you have contracted the COVID virus and you're saying, do you understand what I'm experiencing here? I don't know where this is going to take me. I don't know how badly I'm going to react to this virus. How can you say I am to push away my fear and somehow rise above it? Who do you think you are? And I understand that because you're right. I have no right to say that to you, but God does. He knows your situation. He knows your needs. And he has already said to you, I'm going to be there for you. I am going to take you through this, these days. But do you know, Pastor, the pain I'm going through and the hurt I'm going through? Listen, God never promises that we will be void of pain and hurt. In fact, just the opposite. 
And yet God says, I am going to be there for you. I am there for you. I will walk. I have seen on the other side. And I'll walk through these days with you. And we've got to come to the place that we are not paralyzed by our fear. But we are willing to trust God instead. And be willing to rise above and see what God will do in our life. Because it is the key to move from an ordinary life to an extraordinary life. It is the open door. So how do we do this? How do we come to this place of getting on the other side of our fears? Well, the story of Mary actually gives us the blueprint. For instance, first of all, live a life that God wants to bless. The angel said to Mary, you are highly favored. God is with you. She was a holy Girl, She was a girl that loved the Lord, a young woman that loved the Lord with all of her heart. She was living a life of character. God has called us to be the same. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13, how blessed is the man and woman at person. How blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding then you will walk in your way securely and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. So what is he saying in the passage? Blessed is the person who takes the truths out of God's word, who listens to what the Bible says. It will give you wisdom. It will give you understanding. It will give you insight into the right things to do, the right way to live your life. It will show you what is fair, what is wise. The person who takes the word of God into their life and does it will be secure, will walk securely, will lie down at night and not be afraid, will lie down at night and not be fearful. And your sleep will be sweet. He is not describing a person who's perfect, sinlessly perfect, because all of us would be hopeless. You and I have times in our life in which we say things we should not say, do things we should not do, have attitudes that we should never have given ground for. And we sin and we know it and we feel the conviction of God's spirit in our heart. But a person that has character hears that conviction, realizes they have done wrong and repents of that sin and gets back on the path. That is called character. That's what character is about. It's character that Mary had. It was character, not sinlessness, but character. So that when she did what was wrong, she felt the pangs of that, con that conviction and she turned her heart back to God. No matter what your past has been like or your present or your future, you have the ring of moral authenticity when you have character. Live a life God wants to bless. A life of character. Second of all, recognize that God is near. The antidote to fear is knowing that God is near. 
This is exactly what was happening in the conversation with the angel and Mary. Because the angel says in Luke chapter 1, verse 28, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And then the next statement that he made is, Mary, you don't have to be afraid. You are highly favored. He was reminding Mary of a truth. God is here. God is with you. A truth. God says to us, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. There are times in our lives that we feel like maybe he has. And maybe we feel it's justified. After what I have done, after the attitudes that I have, God, I wouldn't be a bit surprised that you walked away from me and I, I wouldn't blame you for doing it. But he doesn't do it. There is a direct connection between recognizing the presence of God and seeing fear dissolve in our lives. If you lack peace in your life, if you got all this fear in your life, it is only because you have forgotten the great truth that God is here, that God is near. We defeat our fear of the unknown by relying on what we do know. As a young pastor, my, my 20s, and I was pastoring uh, a church, and, and uh, I didn't know I didn't know what I was doing. I was learning but as I went. Uh, nearby, Dr. Jimmy Draper was a pastor of a huge church nearby. And we got to know each other, and he sort of took me under his wing for a little while, and, and he was helping me. And one day, one day we were talking, and, and Jimmy said to me, Mark, never doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. He, he would probably not even remember saying it to me and probably be amazed that I even remember the statement. But I more than remember the statement. That was burned into my heart at all my ministry. Times in which I have gone through hurtful times and hard times and difficult times in the ministry and just as a man going through life. And, I, and it seems like the, 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 the clouds would roll in and the dark clouds and I couldn't see anything. He said, never doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. And I have quoted that back to myself so many times in my ministry and times in which I could not see the sun in my life. I've remembered that statement. It is a statement that simply says, God has already shown you that he's with you. God has always already shown you that he'll give you the wisdom to deal with whatever you face. God has already told you, I've called you into ministry. I will lead you into ministry. I will guide you throughout your ministry. All these truths that God showed me in the light, remember in the darkness. And I want to pass that on to you. God has already told you, I will never leave you or forsake you. Never doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. Here is the truth. 
We need to develop an awareness of the presence of God. I learned years ago to practice the presence of God. It became such a powerful thing in my life. Anytime, anywhere I was, from time to time in the day, every day, I think about the thing. God, you are here. You're in my car. You're in my house. You are in my life. You're present in my life. And practicing the presence of God bolsters your faith. It, it bolsters your courage. I've, I heard about a guy who, who programmed his watch so that at every hour there was a little beep, and at the beep, he rem, it was a reminder, God is with me right now. Every hour, top of the hour, God is with me right now. There are other people that remind themselves through pictures that are on the walls of their house or their office or wherever, or jewelry that they wear, or just good theology. Just good theology. Theology is the truth about who God is and what God has done and is doing. And God has said to you, okay, I know sometimes you are a stinker. I know sometimes you just mess up royally. But I'm here. And I'm never leaving. I'm with you. And I will never not be. Coming to the place of understanding the presence of God in your life is a part of overcoming fear. But there's then a third thing. Secure a promise from God. Luke chapter 1, verse 31 and 32. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. You are having the Messiah, and you will do a good job, and you will not mess this up because he is the Messiah, and he is the Savior of the world. By the way, there was not a word in this promise that said, and don't worry, you will never have pain, you will never have struggle, you will never have hard times. In fact, exactly the opposite was true. You remember when Jesus was born and Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple to have him dedicated at the temple and they ran into this old guy named Simeon that the Holy Spirit caused him to recognize this baby is the Messiah and he declared him to be the Messiah and prayed over him. And then Simeon turned to Mary, not Joseph. He turned to Mary and he said to Mary, you will experience the deepest sorrows and the deepest wounds of your heart, but you will also experience the greatest joys and blessing of God. When God turns an ordinary life into an extraordinary life, he does not do it devoid of pain. Pain oftentimes comes with it. But the greater the pain, the greater the power and the usage of God in your life. God gave Mary a promise. You need to seek the promise from God. All the promises in the Bible are yes, the Bible says, to those who are Christ's followers. So pick the verse. Or if God lays the promise, the particular promise on your heart, grab hold of it. He's done that to my, my life many times. Grab hold of it and I will not let it go. 
For you see, faith is not presumption. It is not walking on thin ice. It's not going out on a limb. It's not doing something crazy. It is not wishful thinking. It's not even positive thinking. Faith is trusting in a promise that God has made to you. So how do you get this promise from God? You get it from his word. Now, I'm already over time today, and so there's going to be some blanks we don't get filled in in the message. You can go online very shortly. They'll all be filled in for you, but let me rush. There is a promise that God wants to give to you, and if you will grab hold of that promise and keep it at the forefront of your heart when you are going through hard times and struggles, that promise will cause the fear to dissipate as you meditate on that promise God has given to you. This is Mary. This is what happened to Mary. Mary lived a life that God wanted to bless. Mary practiced or realized the the presence of God and the promise of God that had been given to her. And the fourth thing is simply this. Join God in his plan and listen to what it says. Luke chapter 1, verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. It's one of the greatest verses in the Bible. And you know why? Mary said, no matter how much pain I have to go through, no matter how hard it is, no matter what, how difficult this assignment that you have just given to me is, be it unto me as you will. I will your will. Have you said this to God? Whatever it is that you're going through, no matter how much pain it's going to be, God, no matter how hard it's going to be, no matter how much struggle I go through, I will your will. Why? Because I trust you. And I know your will is the greatest solution to my life and usage of my life. And I choose you. I choose you. If you will do this, open your heart to these principles we looked at that we see in Mary's life. You will conquer the fear that you're feeling. You will go to the other side, and God will use you in an extraordinary way. No matter what age, no matter how young or old, God will use you in an extraordinary way. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today and we acknowledge, oh God, you are God. And we want, you've got one life to live and we want our life to be used by you. Would you turn our ordinary life into an extraordinary life? Would you use us and empower us and bless us? And may our greatest days be ahead of us. Use us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.